Hello and welcome to this episode of the Writing Talk podcast. I'm your host, the writer Michael Campling, and two friends as Mikey. And in this episode, after a quick uh, skip through any odd bits of news I've got, we'll talk about the main topic, which this week is all about whether you should start an author podcast or not. And if you do, what kind of things will you need? An introduction to that. And then we will have a writer's toolbox session at the end where I'll try and outline a few tools and resources that might be useful on that topic. Welcome to the Writing Talk podcast, the show that helps you to build your skills as we go on our writing journey together. Okay, well, recently I've been busy uh, getting my latest mystery novel ready for publication. It's almost there. It's so close. Just been a bit of a, a delay in getting the uh, the cover together, but it's so close. It's almost there. So I've been um, working away at getting it all nicely formatted for ebook and for paperback. And uh, I do all that myself. And uh, perhaps that'll be a topic for another time, a bit about formatting. Uh, probably a couple of programs of uh, information in that. And it's it's just about there. It's uh, it's amazing how you can often find a little typos right at the end, even in something that's been professionally edited. But um, but yeah, I managed to to iron out a couple of uh, last minute ones, and it's it's just about getting ready to go up there. And I've been running some, getting involved in some promotions. There's quite a few online promos and things around that you can um, get involved with. Again, probably a topic for another time. I'm trying a few new ones, which is interesting. They're going to be starting soon. I've got a couple of uh, promos going on book sweeps, which is worth having a look at. I've not tried them before, so we'll see how how they go. And I've been continuing with rolling out books onto to to wide and and doing a bit of uh, trying to sell direct, um, which hasn't really had much uptake yet. I I think people are maybe a little bit reluctant at first to buy from direct from an author. I'm using uh, Payhip, which uh, seems a pretty good and a solid way of doing it. I have worked before because I've done quite a bit on websites over the years. I've worked on loads of WordPress websites for myself and for other people. And I can set up stores and I have set up stores using things like WooCommerce. But that's quite a lot of work and there's quite a lot of sort of headache involved in getting all that together. And Payhip is just very, very easy. And yes, they take a cut, but um, they have different plans. They do have like a free plan where they take a little cut, but they also have advantages in there. So, um, you know, that's something worth looking at. For instance, just so I'm not being vague about it, they have little um, built in mechanisms so that uh, people who are looking at your book can share it and then get a discount for themselves. So obviously you get a little bit less money because they're getting a discount, but maybe they're sharing it around. Um, so there's a couple of ways that people can refer things and you can turn those off. If you think you don't fancy that, you can leave those options off. But I put them on because I thought that could be interesting uh, just to see how that works. You know, a bit of word of mouth um, in a very easy way. And I've connected that, by the way, to BookFunnel um, because I, I think just having pay upon its own is is probably going to be a bit of a headache for most people. Um, whereas if you link it to BookFunnel, then at least, you know, you've got some backup there. If people don't know how to get the ebook they've bought onto their reader, at least they can go to BookFunnel. So that is worth doing. 
And, you know, I will feed back uh, later on how the, the experiment with going wide is going. I mean, for me, this is going to be a long term experiment. It's no good hopping in and out of these things for a month or two. I'm really looking uh, further down the line and thinking about building my career and, and getting my books out to as many people as possible. And it is very, very early days in that process. And, you know, some some sites has been hardly um, any traffic and others have kind of surprised me because I'm not really at the promotion that I'm doing is about to start. It's not really gone into action yet. I've done a bit of experimenting with book bob ads, trying to get a nice one that uh, is uh, working reasonably well before I roll it out. Uh, you tend to test those on uh, on Amazon first just to see if you can get a bit of uh, traction with them before you roll them out to all the stores. And I'll, you know, I'll be working at that little by little, you know, sort of day by day, just trying to improve on that, my visibility on the other stores. Uh, I've had books being bought on the Apple platform without any promotion at all. I don't, I don't quite know where people are finding them from, but uh, I guess they're just uh, organically finding them and buying them, which is something that's quite hard to achieve on Amazon, as I'm sure a lot of you will know. But, uh, you know, uh, some books are, have been sold and continue to be sold and sort of little drip, drip, drip uh, going away. But it's another income stream, isn't it? And I'll, yes, it's small now, but hopefully that will build up. So lots there. And with all that going on, I've been a bit uh, late with getting some of my podcast uh, projects together. So with that, I think we'll get on to the main topic. Okay, should you set up an author podcast or a podcast related to your writing or perhaps your book marketing activities? That is the question. And yes, there's a lot going for it. It's a very appealing idea. The appeal of the shiny and the new is always great when the alternative is to sit down and slog away at your latest manuscript. So it seems like a fun thing. Lots of advantages um, from podcasting. Podcasting is still a lively and a vibrant space with lots going on in it make no mistake loads of people are getting into podcasts listening um in all kinds of ways and so it's a nice way of reaching people it's a very kind of uh intimate medium in that uh, so you're reaching out to people's lives they might have a regular routine where they're commuting or you know they're doing the washing up or something i often listen to a podcast when i'm in the kitchen or something you know it's just just a bit different from what's what I can get on the, the regular radio. At least I get to choose totally what I want. And that's kind of how people like to consume their media these days. They like to choose. They don't like to sit back and think, hey, what's on the radio? Um, like I would have done growing up. You know, it's just kind of right. Let's let's choose. Let's pick out the topics that I want to hear about. And so that could be a music sort of mix that they're tuning into. It could be a playlist they put together or it could be a podcast. It's all part of that um, that media landscape. It has uh, quite a low barrier into entry. At a, at a simple level, podcasting can be done quite simply, cheaply and easily. Um, even can just about be done for, for without spending any money, but um, we'll come to that in a minute. And you can get quite a lot out of it as a host. The way I do it, where I'm just doing it on my own, is a bit of an uphill struggle because, um, you know, other things get in the way. I've got nobody else to kind of hold my feet to the fire and say, yeah, it's time for us to do our podcast. Where are you? You know, don't be late. Um, 
and that's something I might look into in the future. You know, if it, if, if it, the opportunity comes around to work on this or another podcast with somebody, I'd probably give it a go. But I don't think everybody should jump in with both feet just because it seems like a good idea at the time. There are other ways of broadcasting to people if you want to do something like um, streaming onto YouTube or onto Facebook. Uh, Facebook very keen to have people uh, doing live video streams at the moment. Everybody is after your um, your content at the moment. They they're all kind of fighting to get to get into that space. Who knows when a, whether other platforms will um, will be getting into that. So there are lots of ways of addressing people in an audio and a video kind of way. But what makes a podcast special, what really defines a podcast, it's all to do with the, the magical business of the podcast feed. And that's really what makes it a podcast as opposed to uh, just like a regular uh, recording that you could sort of slap onto a website and say, here it is, listen to my recordings. So that feed goes out and it's spread out into all kinds of platforms. I found one the other day. Um, one of my one of my my kids are grown up now, I still call them kids, but um, was showing me an app that he was listening to a, a podcast on called Castbox, and I thought, hey, I wonder if my podcasts are on there. So I searched Writing Talk podcast, and sure enough, it was. And I was quite surprised because none of the services I use send my podcast to Castbox. Um, but they picked it up and there it was, you know, and um, and that was just quite interesting to me. And that, that will have happened lots of other ways. So that feed is kind of a magical thing. And because it's a, a simple and a common format. That your content can be picked up and disseminated in all kinds of ways to all kinds of users, no matter how they choose to listen to it, there's a good chance it's there. I think you can probably um, probably find this podcast even on things like Alexa and on Google Home devices. I believe you can play it that way. Um, I don't think I've tried it, actually. I, I must check, but um, I believe I'm on there somewhere. So it's, uh, it's, it's a very wonderful thing and almost magical the way your content can be propagated like that. But the downside for me it's not about things like hardware and software and audio editing all those things you can you can work your way into those you can get better at those as you go you can accumulate software and improve your hardware and so on you can start very very simple with simply with stuff you've probably got hanging around i mean you can start with your phone um but think about the time so podcast generally it's a good idea to them regularly I'm finding that a little bit hard at the moment, um, but something like once a week or every two weeks, something like that is is pretty good. That's kind of around the sweet spot. If it's rarer than that, then it's not so easy for people to keep up with. I think they'll kind of kind of can lose interest. There's so many podcasts out there um, and it can all feel a bit half hearted. You know, I've, there's even a, a phenomenon I think called pod fade which is what I've fallen victim to at one point or a couple of times where I've sort of you know I've let it fade because I've had other things to do but let's for the sake of argument say you're going for the, the tried and tested weekly episode that's something that lots of people do um, and there's often a reason for things that people do and it's because they work so a regular weekly episode is a good idea so imagine once a week You'll have to 
have some time where you think what you are going to talk about. Maybe jot some notes down, maybe dictate those notes. I've, I've tried that. That's quite a good idea. If you have like a, a speech recorder app or something on your phone, maybe as you're walking around or doing something else, it's almost like having a dry run at the podcast. It enables you to to get your ideas out there and to get them in recorded form. Um, and I've even put that into Dragon and had it transcribe it for me to, to make show notes. So that can be a good thing. Um, so let's say, you know, maybe it takes you 20 minutes, half an hour to dream up what you're going to talk about. So that's that block of time. Then you need to have a bit of nice, quiet time when you can record it. And even if your podcast is going to be 20, 30 minutes, it's going to take longer than that because you've got to get everything working, everything set up. You might have to muck about with your hardware and your software just to make sure it's all working. You might have to check that, you know, uh, the kids aren't going to come barging in or somebody isn't going to slam a door or or yell at you up the stairs or something. So there is another block of time. So maybe that's going to be an hour. So given your planning time and your recording time, we're already up to, say, an hour and a half. Some level of audio editing will probably be required. I spend quite a while on this. Um, I'm still learning the ropes. I'm trying different software and things. I'm trying to make it quick because um, if I spend too long on it, it might mean that I, I just think one week, oh, I haven't got time to do it all, so I won't do it. You know, I won't do any of it. That, there's that danger. Um, but that could easily be another hour, say. It could possibly be longer, depending on how complex uh, your podcast is. Speaking of which, are you going to do it on your own? Are you going to have a co-host? Are you going to have guests? If you're going to have a co-host, then there's going to be some collaboration time. You, you'll need to have a chat with, with those um, that host or those co-hosts. You're going to have to have some kind of discussion just to run through what you're going to do that week. Make sure everybody's on the same page. So what's that? Maybe going to take you half an hour, say. And that could be a great time because you could enjoy that time. It could be something that gives you a real zing and a zip. Um, having someone else to throw ideas around with, discussing things that are interesting or important and fun. That could be great. That could really feed into your other work. But all we're doing at the moment is doing a bit of a rough accounting of time. So let's so we're kind of getting up to the, a couple of hours here already, aren't we? Guests. Well, say you're going to have to chase around people, sending emails, getting emails back, arranging times. I, I started in the early days trying to do a couple of interviews and both times things went wrong. Like one time the person completely forgot that I would arranged a time. Another time person this was a different person they were all ready and I had a problem with my car and I couldn't even get home and so that I just thought this is all just too complicated and if you're dealing with people in different time zones which that both those people in the states kind of you know five six seven eight whatever hours different from me depending which coast you're on and things um that can cause another headache and then you've got the technology involved, of course. Will it all play ball? Are you going to use Zoom? Are you going to use Skype? Are you going to use uh, YouTube? Are you going to uh, do something on Facebook together? Will you need another layer of software or something to, to make sure that all works? So that, that will take some time. Plus, you've got the, you know, there's going to be emails going backwards and forwards um, just to make sure the person's there and on time and that you're there and on time because, you know, you owe it to your your guests to be ready and to be prepared. Um, so that's kind of an unknowable extra bit of time, isn't it? But 
So, you know, we're already looking at something that's heading towards three hours a week, aren't we? And even if your organisation is simpler, I'm afraid you're still going to have to sit down and upload your podcast content, which you will have had to prepare as an MP3 file, and then you'll have to upload it to your hosting service. You'll have to make sure that is then linked back to your website. And we haven't even got onto the show notes yet. So let's say you're going to um, you know, make some show notes together. Sometimes I do quite complete show notes just because I happen to have all that stuff ready. Other times I really have to put another whole extra bunch of thought into sitting and thinking, how can I quickly summarize it? And the show notes will get picked up in your feed. And so they will be propagated out there. They're not just for your website. They will be picked up on other sites as well. And people will be able to see them. And the show notes will all be can be picked up by search engines and so on. So it's as far as I know, I think that's true. Um, and it's all content that goes part of the show. Ideally, I'd like to have really full show notes every time. I don't always manage it purely question of time. So we're probably looking so far for your one episode. It may be a whole afternoon. So the idea that you kind of sit down and just say, hi, everybody, how are you doing? And then that's it. You know, I'm afraid you can put that from your mind. Yeah, it sounds like that's how it's going to be at the beginning. But it is going to take you quite a while. You can try and simplify it as much as possible would be my general kind of tip to people thinking of starting out, you know. Um, keep it simple, straightforward, quite short. And set up kind of an audience expectation of what it's going to be like. So, for instance, if something is um, a kind of a, a free rolling chat between two people or between you and a guest, say, or you and a, some co-hosts. Then, yeah, it doesn't matter if there are noises, if you talk over each other and things too much, it could get a bit annoying, but people will understand it's a live conversation uh, rather than an edited together piece. So, you know, if somebody drops something and say, oh, dear, what have you? You can comment on it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go back and laboriously cut it out because that kind of thing really does take quite a while, even if you're getting good at your um, your audio software. So for me, first and foremost, think about do I have time? Because it is a commitment to try and, and do it. Now, if you can't do that, commit a few hours for each episode. You know, you might be better just putting it on the shelf for the moment until time is available to you or you think of something else. So that would be my, my first kind of thing. It, it, it is quite a, um, a time, um, a time suck. So think about how you use that time. It could be really great. It could be really valuable. And maybe if you're interacting with fantastic guests and you're learning a ton from them, then brilliant. Doesn't matter that it took you several hours. It was really well worth it. It could be a really critical uh, piece of information you pick up from interviewing a great guest. Or maybe you're chatting with a co-host and, you know, that that's your real brilliant bit of social interaction that week that you really enjoy and you look forward to it. And you've got a co-host that you really work well with and, you know, you're bouncing ideas around. You're thinking of new projects you can do. That could be really, really good time. So, you know, make the most out of it if you're going to commit to that kind of time. So having decided you've got time, 
I think you need to make a quite a binary decision here because look what I do doing podcast that is for other writers uh, that feels important to me and that's the way I want to go with this podcast but I'm very aware that the alternative would be to do something aimed at readers now readers appealing to readers that has got a much more direct payback for you if you are producing content for your readers that's something you can put out there and it might attract people towards your books so it's it's kind of marketable if you want to put it that way and in lots of ways it makes perfect sense so i think that's a good thing to do uh, i'm trying it with the i've got another one with only a few episodes in called collective sci-fi podcast which is at the collective sci-fi.com and that's very much for readers and all i'm doing at the moment is just reading um a book reading my one of my sci-fi books on there and that's kind of an evolving thing we'll see how that goes that doesn't take so long because i'm i've got just that the book has already been re been written so i do have to do the setup kind of thing uh, i don't have to do much in terms of show notes but i just have to um have to kind of turn up read my thing edit it together cut it together i do have to do quite a bit of post production on it because it's meant to be an enjoyable audio experience for people so it's no good if i'm flanneling and sort of you know getting the words wrong if i get it wrong i'll have to go back and say it again and then cut out the the version that i've got wrong and so on you know i i do have to do that kind of thing so I think that binary choice, make that very early on. Is it for readers? Is it for other writers? If it's for other writers, do you have some other end in sight for it? You know, is there some objective? For instance, if you're writing nonfiction, totally makes sense to do a podcast for writers. If you're writing a, a nonfiction book for other writers, they tie together. They align, if you want to use um, that phrase. And that makes sense. And in your podcast, you can mention, you know, today we're talking about um, you know, writing characters or something. And there's a chapter on that in my book, How to Write, you know, like a genius or whatever you called it. Um, so those those things could tie together. So having made that choice, is it for readers? Is it for writers? The next thing you've got to decide is kind of what's the reasoning behind it the kind of content that you want to produce so have, have almost like a theme involved some kind of guiding principle like when i started this one it was just purely going to be about craft about writing craft and that seemed like a good idea at the time to me because i'm i love all that i'm kind of obsessed with that i get a lot out of going away and thinking about it so the podcast makes me step back, think about what I'm doing, why I'm doing, how I'm improving it and so on. But I think one reason I had the dreaded pod fade when I tried that was after a while, I just felt I didn't really have much else to say on the topic because a lot of the things I had to say on writing craft, I'd already said in one way or another. And I think I was just getting to the point where I'd be, you know, repeating myself. So I then decided to, to bring it more into uh, the whole business of it, the whole business of self-publishing. So everything from preparing your manuscript, like formatting, 
uh, it was what I know about marketing, marketing and advertising and so on. I'm just going to be trying to bring all those topics in. And so there's kind of like a rationale to it. And I, and I think you need that, uh, even if it's one for readers. Well, what are you bringing those readers that they can't get elsewhere? What's going to be special about your podcast for readers? Because if it's just kind of um, a what I did this week, well, OK, they might be interested in that. You might be able to then feed that content out to, say, your newsletter people. So that content's kind of doing double duty. You're sort of composing your newsletter and saying, you know, by the way, you can read it here. Also, you can hear me discussing this topic that I'm writing to you about, you know. And that's good so long as you've got lots of interesting stuff to talk about. You know, if you're um, got some mass, if you're a massively interesting person and you, you've got a lot of background to talk about. Then I can totally see how that would be wonderful for readers. You know, if, if you write sci-fi and in your day job you work for NASA and wow, yeah, I want to hear about that. And how do those two go together? How do your adventures at NASA inform the adventures you write in space or whatever? You know, that to me would be fascinating as somebody who likes to read sci-fi from time to time. Um, so that the whole idea has got legs. So whichever way you're going to do it, you, you need to have something kind of idea that has legs, something that will stand up. Not just for two or three episodes, but for 50 or something. If, if you're doing once a week, eight looking over a year, you've got a lot of content to produce. And so you need something that is going to be interesting enough over that time. So if I haven't put you off yet um, and you still think, well, I'd still kind of kind of like to do it. It sounds like it could be fun. I suggest you get a bit of paper and you, you know, write some numbers down the side or something. And see if you can jot down 10, 20 titles for episodes. If you can, just quite quickly and quite easily rattle off 10 or 20 ideas, then, you know, maybe you've got an idea with legs. Maybe that's something you could really go for. And you need to keep a list like that going, really, so you never run out. Every now and then, just revisit it. Think, can I think of another two or three or five or whatever and add to that list? Maybe tick them off as you do them or if you change your mind, cross them out, you know. That that's something you can um, can work on, and maybe you've got a you know document you carry around with you in a notebook or on your phone or something, and just work on that now and then, because you will need an ideas bank. Some people go as far as to recommend that you actually record something like ten episodes before you kind of launch your podcast, and the reason is so that you don't you know fall victim to the pod fade that. You kind of run out of time one week and one week turns into two weeks, turns into three. And before you know it, six months have gone by and you haven't done an episode. And then it becomes hard to get that momentum back. So, yeah, generate some ideas. Maybe talk it through with some other people and uh, say, would you listen to this? You know, if it's for readers, contact your readers. Maybe you put a post on your blog or on Facebook or on your newsletter and say, if I was to do a podcast on my my time at NASA, would you be interested in reading about that? And your sci-fi readers are going to say, hell yes, of course we are, you know, or whatever it is that you can do. Maybe you've got um, a fascinating hobby or something that kind of feeds into your writing. Um, or it could be something like, say, travel. I believe J.F. Penn, the thriller writer, also known as Joanna Penn, has a travel podcast because she loves travel and she has lots of interesting experiences around the world. And also she writes thrillers which take place around the world. So the two tie together. 
and if I read her thrillers, then I would probably be really quite interested in her travels and vice versa. If I just somebody who likes to uh, to find out about our wonderful places around the world, perhaps I will think about picking up the thrillers. So it all ties together. It's a good idea and it's got legs, so it's really worth pursuing. So it's going to take quite a while and the idea needs to have legs. But you've jumped over those hurdles and you've decided you are good to go. So it is very easy at this point to spend hours uh, sort of pouring through specifications of microphones and software and so on. I know I have done it. Um, I won't give a massive breakdown on equipment because there are other people who are better at this and I will mention them later. Suffice to say, a quick search through YouTube will find lots and lots of people testing microphones and talking about software. But as we're talking about getting started, we don't want to be, you know, throwing a lot of money at, uh, at the local stores unless we really have to. So just talking about some of the free options out there. There is a bit of software that's been around for a very long time called Audacity, which is free and that will do you to start with. You can probably go quite a long way. And uh, I suggest you check that out. That that will be a good one. I don't know much about Apple computers, but I think GarageBand, if that is still on there, I don't know. I've heard people say you can use that, but I don't actually know. There are also apps that you can use on your phone. Not really tried those. Not sure how good they're going to be. Moving along the line a little bit, there is one that a lot of people use. I'm using today and it takes a bit of getting used to actually is called Reaper. That's Reaper.fm that's found at. And that takes some getting used to, but it's a very powerful bit of software which you can start off for free and then you can pay the um, the kind of lower value, the kind of discount version of the license. If you're not making lots of money from using the product, uh, you can pay, I think it's about $60 for a license. I'm just having a trial at the moment. So when the trial runs out, I'll decide whether I want to uh, do that or not. Uh, the reason is I also have the kind of more pro kind of version, uh, perhaps. Well, I, I'm not sure. Reaper is a very, very powerful piece of software. But there is one that a lot of people use called Audition by Adobe. And you may have access to that already. Uh, I've got it. Um, I've had it for a, a little while. At the moment, you have to pay a subscription, which is a bit of a drag to get it. But um, if it's something you've got from an earlier version, uh, of the Adobe Creative Tools and maybe you have that available to you and that's certainly a very powerful piece of software as well. And those are the ones that most people tend to use. That covers most of the bases. So from ranging from free through to $60 through to an expensive subscription. So you've got some choices there. When it comes to microphones, you probably want to start off with something uh, reasonable different microphones are available in different countries um here in the uk i started off um with the the snowball ones um are are a starting point they're not terribly expensive um they're made by blue and a lot of people have heard of the blue yeti that's one that does um 
for a lot of podcasts. I haven't tried that one. Uh, I had the Blue Snowball to start with and quite quickly decided I needed something better. And in the UK, there's one called the Orna, which is A-U-N-A. Um, I think CM90. I'll, I'll put this in the show notes. And that's a USB microphone, which is really nice. And I spent a lot of time researching that. And I like that quite a lot. And I will put some prices. These The prices change from time to time. But I will um, put some links and prices in the show notes. And if you are buying something, it would support the podcast. If you click on one of my affiliate links there, I'll just get a little um, little reward back from Amazon if you buy something from them. Uh, so that would be very much appreciated. Um, I'll, I'll link to some of the um, some of the well-known podcasting microphones. The reason you start off with the USB microphone first is that it's going to be probably a lot better than any kind of odd little headset microphone you've got kicking around. Um, and it converts the analog signal of you speaking into a digital signal, which you can then record. And you don't need any extra hardware. So it's quite an, an entry level kind of way to get into it. And I'm not sure on the prices at the moment. I'd have to double check, but you can spend quite a lot. I wouldn't recommend that you spend a huge amount on a USB microphone because if you're serious and you want to sort of carry on, you may later want to upgrade. Today, I am using a wacky looking microphone made by a company called Neat. And there was a special offer on it at the moment. Um, and it's the um, King B, I think it's called. Everything is um, B themed, so it's kind of black and yellow. And you see it on um, online, you think that looks like a toy. But um, if you watch the reviews and things, it is actually a good microphone, uh, very sensitive. And it's uh, solidly constructed of metal, although it looks a bit like a, a toy. It is, it is um, very solidly constructed and comes with a shock mount and a pop filter. And it's uh, quite an interesting little bit of kit. Seems to be working really well for me. I'm still not totally used to it. So, you know, if my voice sounds strange or something, that's my fault. Because you do kind of have to get used to a microphone and to the setup. The reason that's an upgrade is instead of having the... Um, analog to digital stuff going on inside the microphone where you're always going to get some kind of compromise on on the amount of stuff there's room for inside a microphone you know everything's got to be crammed in there um that is done for me by a separate little device so i've got a, a focus right third gen third generation um solo which is all you need it's just a little usb interface and you also have to buy a cable because microphones like this one have an XLR uh, socket. So you need an XLR cable. And the little interface, I've got a little Focusrite um, Scarlett Solo does the conversion for me and it kind of amplifies the signal and it provides the power for the microphone because this kind of microphone needs power unlike your normal USB ones. There is kind of a range. So the microphone, when I bought it, had some money off and I think it cost me about £90 quite recently. The cable was about £10. The uh, Focusrite was again about the same. 
so it's about 90 pounds um so there's a little package there you've got to you know spend almost 200 pounds just to get that microphone set up so that's quite different to getting a, a blue yeti or something which doesn't need the interface doesn't need the special cable plug it in and off you go and in fact neat um also make a little um microphone which i haven't tried but it is designed as a podcast microphone it comes on a little stand you put on your desk and it it's all kind of good to go i think and certainly they they seem to be getting some good reviews for their microphones some people like to also invest in something like a portable digital audio recorder like uh, zoom or tascam something like that i did quite a bit of looking into that because i thought that would be quite a neat little solution but unless you're kind of going out and about and recording people um, kind of on location, I don't think it's a particularly good idea. Um, I would only invest in that if it became really very useful for you for those reasons that you need to be portable. You know, you need to get out and about somewhere because even that though they have built in microphones, I think you are going to need to uh, have external microphones on them. And you're still going to have to do lots of mucking about. So I, I don't think they're a particularly um, worthwhile investment. Other than that, you won't really need very much. Um, a pair of headphones will be useful, particularly when you're editing, because you really want to hear exactly what is going on. But that is about it. The headphones don't have to be anything special. They could be any um, regular pair of headphones you've got knocking around. So that's kind of about all you need really except for the podcast hosting now we could have a, a long discussion about this um the received wisdom is that you do definitely need podcast hosting and that is really to do with what i was telling you earlier about this special nature of a podcast feed and that is the thing that makes it a podcast um it needs to be able to be served up from your recording to all these different services at any time. And who knows, you might get really popular and have a sudden spike in demand for your podcast episode. You know, if you go viral or something, if you're very lucky and lots of people are picking up on it. And there's a chance that if you try hosting those audio files yourself, it will all go wrong. It will all fail and your website will crash and people will be cross. And you will be done for. So um, you need to have it somewhere else. There are a few places where you can do it for free. I don't really recommend that. I think you need to find a reasonable home for your audio files. It needs to be something that is reliable. And if you're paying for something, then you should be getting a bit of technical support. If things go wrong. You should expect it to be reliable should expect to be able to go to somebody for help. Prices vary enormously and it can get quite confusing. Some of them have all kinds of limits on how often you upload, how long your shows are, and those kind of things could be a nuisance. So I'm afraid you have to do a bit of research around. But as we're talking about entry level stuff here, I've tried several and I would recommend who I use and I will put a referral um, link on my um, site, but I use a company called Pinecast. They only have one plan and it's $5 a month. 
so not a huge amount, but there aren't limits on that. It's uh, it's fine. You can just do whatever you need. There's everything you can you need on there. If you want more than one podcast, you can have them. So you can have several different shows on there, all for five dollars a month. So you can't really argue about that. It's uh, it's not a lot. I find their website fine. It's quite a slick interface, easy to use. And that part of the process takes me about five minutes. It really is very easy to uh, get everything set up, get my episodes set up. However, I learned kind of the hard way that rather than let your podcast hosting provider handle your feed, you should handle this yourself comes back to the idea of owning your own platform. So if you've got a WordPress site, a good option is to use the Blueberry uh, without the E um, plugin. And you don't need to pay for their hosting. You don't need to pay anything for the plugin. You can just download the plugin for free. It will take you a little while to get it all set up. Not the easiest thing in the world. They have been improving it recently. Um, they do provide podcast hosting and that makes life easier if you go to their hosting. I think that's something like about $12 a month. Um, so not a huge amount. You might find that worth it if time is an issue and you prefer simplicity, then they seem to be a good way to go. I've tried several. I've tried Libsyn. I've tried Spreaker. Yeah, I've even played around a little bit with SoundCloud. But I, I like Pinecast. They, they are working well. And what happens is I upload my file to Pinecast. The episode then has a URL, a little address that enables me to point right to that MP3 file. And I just copy that onto the end of each post on my own site so that the episode on my own website knows where to find the actual audio file. And that's it. I publish the episode on my site and it all gets put together um, and goes out as a feed. And the feed is constructed by the Blubbery or Blueberry. Um, I like to call it Blubbery. Um, if they wanted it pronounced Blueberry, they should have put all the vowels in, shouldn't they? Um, it, um, so the, the plugin puts the feed together and publishes it and links up to things like uh, iTunes and so on. So. That is kind of the, the long rigmarole about how it all gets put together. And the advantage of owning your own feed is that if six months down the line, Pinecast go out of business or I decide to use somebody different for whatever reason, I don't really have a problem. I can just move all my episodes across, but my website um, feed won't be touched. I'll just have to... Um, relink my media files, which will be a bit of a drag, but you know, it, it's not not that difficult. And the point is that my feed it won't actually be interrupted. So that's what I'd recommend. There is a certain amount of technical stuff to be learned in um how you put that together. And it's not terribly difficult, but it will just take a little bit of time. Some of those things only really need to be done once. So because I own my feed address and it's from my site, not from Pinecast that I used to host the media files, but it's from my site. 
I only have to go to, say, iTunes once and say, this is my feed address. Then I go to, say, Stitcher and say, this is my feed address and so on. I go down those one at a time, submit them and they say, thank you very much. That's a valid feed. Off we go. So I hope that all makes sense. And I think with that, I will wrap it up. Um, but if you do have questions about that, if something you'd like me to go into further, or there's anything else you want me to discuss on the podcast, please comment on the site at writingtalkpodcast.com. That's the best way to get in touch with me, and I will take it from there. And with that, we'll go on into the uh, writer's toolbox. Okay, just very briefly, because I have already talked about quite a lot of things that could be uh, regarded on as uh, tools for putting a podcast together. I will just mention a couple of YouTube channels which are worth checking out if you're thinking of doing this. And one of them is called Podcastage or Podcast Stage, depending how he, he wants it pronounced. I don't know. But if you go on there, there's a guy called uh, Bandrew, I believe. And he goes through just about every microphone you can think of and he tests them and he you can hear what they sound like and then he'll do a, a rundown on the end and he does everything he talks he from different distances he sings he plays electric guitar he plays acoustic guitar he, he generally mucks around with each microphone and so you'll get an idea of, of what each one sounds like there is another one which goes into some detail about um, recording and particularly about if you're thinking of recording your own audiobooks, but it's it's actually just the, the information is just as valuable for podcasters because he talks about how to set things up. And that is called the um, booth junkie, as in, you know, a sound booth. And that guy on there has a really good kind of radio voice. And he goes into all kinds of detail on recording, on making an environment to control the noise and so on. Probably more than most of us need just for a podcast. But he has lots of stuff on there, including just how to go about sort of setting equipment up. And he also tests microphones and he's very good at explaining what different terms mean, like cardioid and so on like that, which you'll have to get to grips with if you're looking at buying microphones and so on. Um, another one, which is a podcast and also sometimes on YouTube, but mainly just a podcast, and that's the audacity to podcast. Um, so the podcast itself is called the audacity to podcast. And there's a lot of information on there. Lots of stuff that will take you from beginning level right through. And he will quite sort of go into the, to the weeds on all those different areas. Now, I kind of don't have the skills and experience to do that myself, but I just wanted to give an overview and I wanted to get to the what I think are the nub of the things today. So whether you should do it or not, and if so, how you should go about it, you know, what your reasoning should be. How does it all fit together? So I hope that's given you something to think about. Go away and have a think about it. Scribble down some notes. See if you've got the time to do it. See if you've got a kind of rationale for doing it. And if you think it's uh, just going to be great fun and you're going to enjoy it, um, go for it. I mean, I do actually really enjoy putting these out and you kind of get better at doing it as you go. And I hope to get a lot better before I've finished. But um, 
I like to have new things to learn as well. So that's all good. And I quite like the idea that, you know, maybe um, there's somebody out there thinking, shall I do this? And maybe I'm helping them a bit. You know, I, I do like to try and give something back to the, to the writing community. So I hope that helps with that. And please do go on over to the site if there's things that you'd like me to cover. WritingTalkPodcast.com. Always really happy to have your comments over there. We don't get many, so, you know, you will definitely get attention. You go over there and comment and I'll see it, whether even if you comment on an old episode, I will still see it. So please do. And I hope it's been useful to you. So keep scribbling away. Keep tapping those keys. Keep writing. And while you're doing it, keep smiling. Thank you for listening and goodbye.